At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. I, you're you're going to love this pod. A little different than others. Uh, my good friend Ben Jacobson is the guest. Now, Ben was um, was a junior college coach. Um, you'll find out several junior colleges. He played at Lamar for Mike Dean. And then he finished up at Tennessee Tech paying for Mike Sutton. And uh, we'll talk about his journey from Omaha, Nebraska to... Lamar to junior college to Tennessee Tech to coaching. But the the big part of the story is this. Ben Jacobson in 2016 got into a car accident that he could have died from. But because of that car accident, which not only was he okay, they actually found that he had a brain tumor. If not for a head-on collision that he could have died from, he would have died from cancer. <laughs> it's a crazy story, right? Great. So um, I do have some hoop thoughts for you, but I, 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 I'm excited to get for you to get to this interview. But it's, it's a little bit long, and you'll appreciate kind of the journey that, that it takes you there. L- let me start with the weekend at College Hoops, which is wild, right? What, six top 10 teams lose all on the road? Obviously, Duke beat Syracuse. You could have put Duke as the number one. I don't know that it matters. Um, but I, what, I'm, what I want to do is point out things that, if you're listening to this pod, you're a ball person, right? Like, you love hoop, usually, or sports at a different level. I thought the coaching job that Randy Bennett did against Gonzaga for St. Mary's was masterful. Obviously, they want to keep the pace slower. You got to shorten the number of possessions. It changes everything with how Gonzaga plays and how they get you on your heels. But it also points out some of the weaknesses with Gonzaga. Right? I mean, look, they don't have much of a bench, and you can't play the bench that's all young kids in that game, which was a grown man game. It just was. And it also points out one of the things we're going to see this March, which is so many of these 23, 24-year-old dudes. Look at Texas Tech's lineup. I know they lost on Saturday, but those are grown men. And it's hard to conceive that teams that depend on freshmen can compete at the highest level against guys that are, in some cases, six years older than them. Six years. That's a real thing. Um, so that's the challenge. I mean, Kentucky's not young like they normally are, but Ty Ty is. Right? But still, how does Ty Ty look when he's playing against 24-year-old dudes in the NCAA tournament? That's going to be interesting. 
I still like Kentucky. I thought the comeback, they're starting to figure out. Remember, you're playing with two guards, and those guys, they're going to get healthy, and it's allowed others to take on bigger roles. I like this Kentucky team. I think Kansas, you know, getting Remy Martin back helps them. They're, they're going to need another perimeter score. I mean, I still think they're probably a post away from being able to compete for a national championship, but they're going to need Remy to play well because I, I just don't think that they have the scoring pop needed. Now, he may win you a game in the NCAA tournament. He may lose you one, but I think the fact that he hasn't been a 35-minute-a-game guy helps Bill Self and Bill can read whether it's a game he's going to win him or going to lose him. You know, if he gets in one of those Remy modes where he takes bad shots, misses them, and doesn't play defense and turns the ball over, well, then he can just pull him. So, I'm interested in Kansas. Um, Purdue's this weird team, right? Normally, we think of Purdue as defense, toughness, rebounding. And yet, when you spread them out this year, they don't really guard, even though Ivy is an amazing defensive player. They're all flawed. Right? Gonzaga doesn't have much depth. And Chet is kind of a bag of bones. And so if you're allowed to be physical with him, like St. Mary's was, you're going to be physical with him. And I'm not, I still don't believe that their half-court defense can take you out of what you want to do offensively. Like That's where I think Duke has always separated themselves um, with a couple of exceptions based upon personnel. They're going to take you out of what you want to do. It allows you to compete at the highest level. Um, I, I even think that I think Texas Tech has that. I don't know about Wisconsin. They they do have that because they're so uh, they're so uh, they load to the ball so well. But it's it's a flaw there with Wisconsin. They continue to win because they got Johnny Davis, and I think they're a really good team. But that's my thing against Gonzaga: is can they take you out of what you want to do in your in their, with their half court defense? And the answer is not really, not really. They're good. But not great. Offensively, they're great, but they're made a lot better when the game is played up and down. How the game is officiated in the NCAA tournament probably determines who we have as a national champion. All right, more of these intelligent wisdom gems to come. I have some thoughts on the Lakers and LeBron and that mess as we talk hoop. But let's catch up with Ben Jacobson, who uh, was a young star player in the city of Omaha before he went and played college basketball. And the meat of this amazing story is what happened when he got into a car crash, was that six years ago? Here's my conversation with Ben. Okay, I want to get to where you are now in a second, but you, you grew up where playing hoop? Omaha, Nebraska. What area of Omaha? Well, I'd say central Omaha. So like 58th, like the Dundee area of uh, like near uh, Nebraska, Omaha, which is now a Division One conference, Memorial yeah. Park, which is a historic uh, uh, park there. I, I had a great grow- upbringing there, right there in the Dundee neighborhood. And, um, you know, that that was kind of a real nice environment for me because it was a real central environment of Omaha. And in fact, um, you know, pun intended, a lot of those kids in that area went to Omaha Central High School. And that's kind of, you know, where I went to high school um, as furthermore, kind of getting it more in depth of the community, moving more out west to West Omaha, my ninth grade years, but still committing to that, you know, Omaha Central background and having a great, you know, time and success with that career as well there. And were you a varsity as a freshman? Yes. So, I mean, that were you... I mean, does that that means you had to be a pretty early bloomer? Like, how big were you your freshman year? 
Great question, Doug. Um, yeah, so about six four. Um, my eighth grade year summer, I was about six two in about May June-ish, coming out of uh, eighth grade, and then I grew about two inches after that summer. Um, okay, so your freshman year, how much did you play? So yeah, um, I kind of unsuspectingly was on a good team with eleven um, other seniors, and I was the only freshman, so it went. You know, the roster book, when you got it, went 12, 12, 12, and then nine. <laughs> so uh, needless to say, I got a, a good, uh, you know, and and as you know me well, Doug, a, a lot of good ass kickings that freshman year for these guys. What, so the sophomore year, by sophomore year, you were the team's best player or? Yeah, so I kind of inherited the reins. And, you know, as a sophomore stepping into that, uh, it was unique, but we had some transfers in and. We really struggled, and and Doug, I, we we went five and fourteen, and it was hell for me. What what was your dad like? What was how how was he as with you as a player? Like what was what was he like to you? He was a you know my dad. Uh, God bless him. Uh, you know Doug, and God bless your father, who was great for me, and I think was a great human. You know Bob, you know was a great coach, and I I like honestly running into him was a blessing. Uh, but. Um, he, you know, he he played uh, high school basketball and did like, I guess, the freshman thing at Iowa is what he had told me. Now, I don't know, you know, my dad <laughs> embellished, but he was a wonderful man. But like, uh, get, you know, he didn't have a great experience there and went to Nebraska and really studied, you know, had a great career there and studied law. And, you know, was a big time Husker fan, those heyday years of football success and all that stuff. And. You know, um, but what was he? What was he like with you? Was he on your ass? Was he super supportive? I think it was for him, Doug, Doug. I think it was new to him where there wasn't maybe you needed that rear kick in, the, like where I probably, if in a bigger city, where I probably would have got it from your dad at a right age, maybe ranch wedge program, like in a program structured. Like Gladiators was good, but then there was no like feeder programs i don't think that really existed per se at the time no but i mean like okay, what i'm saying is you're struggling to learn how to be a leader in high school right you're so like i'll give you my my but story. I don't know. my my story is you know my i remember my freshman year so i, I turned 16 my freshman year because i stayed back and so my dad came and we played corona del mar i'll never forget this on my birthday and I had gotten out of school to get my driver's license. And I got my driver's license. And, you know, it's like a paper license, whatever. You pass the test. So I came back to school and I went, I'm playing Corona Mar. And it was, you know, now we're like, it's January of your freshman year. And I played varsity the whole, what was called preseason, right? Which is November and December. And you're playing JV. And I'm he just did not like my attitude. I was just. I don't think I was acting like I was too, I didn't feel like I was acting like I was too good for JV, but I was definitely kind of like trying to be cock of the walk when I was on JV. So I'm playing a JV game and I think I drove in and I probably thought I got fouled and I said something to the ref and I got a technical foul. And I, I remember this clear as day. Like I had the varsity. So the way it worked was, I believe the rule was you can only play, you play four quarters, mm. right? So like for JV, if it was a good game, close game, you play like three quarters and then that allowed you to play one quarter of the varsity game. And the JV game was like, let's say five or five. I think it was like five thirty, and then the varsity game was at seven. So, you know, you get now, you talk to your coach, you either, you know, you change uniform is different. So you change uniforms 
and you go out and you warm up with the varsity and then you just kind of get in. And I remember like the game was over a little bit early and I was, the way our gym was, was there was like, you'd walk outside and the coach's office is next door and there's people's, you'd pull up your car kind of right next to the gym, behind the gym, between the football stadium. And my dad was like, uh, Hey, you got a second? We're here. He's like, um, Hey, where's that license that you got earlier today? <laughs> I'm like, Oh, it's right here. He's like, you can act like an asshole. You don't need to drive a car. You don't need to get a technical foul, you know? And I was like, what? And I was like, all I could think of was like, oh my God, I'm going to play in this varsity game on my birthday. And this jerk, you know, tore up my license, but he's probably right. I was acting like a dick. Um, so, you know, he was, he was on me pretty hard. Um, but he was also like, he supported me and he, you know, he would, I mean, when push came to shove, like he would support me with the coaches. But again, like he comes from a coaching background. He kind of thought he knew more than everybody else. I'm just wondering what your dad was like. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, he, he um, with his basketball background, um, he got me really involved. Uh, it was kind of nice uh, to, to have the elements of uh, – basketball love uh kind of endured to me with his love and passion like and uh how that was done uh was his dedication with all the hard work he was doing by taking me to those 82 games and 150,000 practices and uh, I can tell you um not to you know get say my dad like he did like it was great to hear the story of Bob like and, and your coach Scotty because honestly some of the stories I have uh, that spring and fall of playing, well, I mean, I guess we'll get to that in the future. Uh, but uh, for my father, you know, it, it was kind of good for me playing with older guys. Like I, he had me playing with his friends' uh, league and their leagues and such. And I was playing with 35, 45-year-old men at 12 years old, 11 years old. I loved it. Like I just wanted the competition. Uh, I'm sure you were, you know, just kind of knowing how you're wired, even what probably, you know, obviously you were very much talented uh, player, but, you know, he, he, he had me going and, and, you know, one time I could recall, um, you know, I got a technical foul for slamming a ball down in a youth game before, you know, in, in, in eighth grade. And, you know, he, he got me in the car and he scared the living. He pulled me out of the game and, and, you know, he pulled me into the car and we left. It was in Grand Island, Nebraska. And I mean, like we drove home. It was like you're not going to act like that in public. You got to understand what's happening. Like pull me out. No, I, I get it, dude. I, I I get it, and it's it's interesting. You know, I've I've said it's twelve, and um, you know, like his mom's like, you know, you're you're so hard on him. Like I'm not hard on him about missing shots. You know, it's how you how hard you play, how you act. Are you a good teammate? You know, and the the things that we work with you on. <laughs> You know, are you doing those things? I can't make you bigger, faster, stronger. I can't make the ball go in the basket, you know. But if you're not doing the, the, the other little things. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Paid by up-level rewards. Paid participation required at your portrayal. Attention all listeners. Are you ready to earn $750? Well, get ready because I'm about to introduce you to GetMy750.com, the ultimate way to earn. Here's the scoop. Instead of just streaming shows or playing games on your phone for nothing, you have the chance to earn additional cash. That's right. From trying out new subscriptions to playing your favorite mobile games, you can get extra cash in your pocket. Simply sign up at GetMy750.com and follow the instructions to start earning immediately. So, what are you waiting for? Turn your favorite apps into real cash with GetMy750.com. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to earn rewards for things you're already doing on your phone. Check out GetMy750.com today. That's right. Get started right now at GetMy750.com. Just go to GetMy750.com or Google Get My 750 Cash. Follow the simple instructions and get your $750. That's GetMy750.com. GetMy750.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. So you're coming into your senior year. Sure, yeah. Uh, being recruited, what, what's what's the recruiting process like? Recruiting-wise, coming into my senior year, I probably had some D2s, some D1s. Um, as far as offers go, um, it was kind of slow, but I got injured um, in, with an ankle injury after a Mr. Basketball tournament, which I think kind of affected some things, therefore whatever. But I, I either or – uh, was not quite the pedigree of what you might be looking for either, Doug. <laughs> As a six seven white kid from Omaha that could like stretch the four a little bit, like what is he? I don't know. He plays six hard. seven white kid that can stretch the floors is kind of a valuable thing, you know. So, what? Why did you go to junior college? Okay, uh, so I ended up going to Lamar, committing to Mike Dean, who was a great. Um, so, so Dino, here's what you don't know. Okay, Dino recruited me to Marquette hard and I nearly went to play for him. Okay. And so uh, I, I'm sure we got to do some Mike Dean stories. Yeah. Okay. 
Let's just be honest. Mike Dean's favorite word in the English dictionary is what? Be honest. What's his favorite word? Well, how vulgar can we get on this show? It's a podcast. You can say whatever you want. What's his favorite word? You first. Cocksucker. He loves the word cocksucker. That's his favorite word. Am I right? All day. Cocksucker. That was it. Doug, it was, it was nonstop. It was nonstop. So here's my, well, let's, let's do, I got to have Dino on this pod because he's the best. So when I go, so uh, please do not, he will destroy uh, me. I was a buffoon at this time. um, But you know, we, we all were We like, that's the whole thing with these podcasts is like, we were all like when I was, I, I I shared this, I went, I went and did a Duke game um, two weeks ago. I'd never been to Cameron and they were like, hey, you know, like, did you grow up a Duke fan? I was like, let me tell you how big a Duke fan I was. When I was a junior, going to be a senior in high school, I'm staying at the Las Vegas Hill, UCLA, which was my brother and sister went there. My, my dad had season tickets there. You know, he was promised 10 times over he'd be an assistant coach at UCLA, right? I had friends that played there. My sister was a cheerleader there, which anybody would think that's like your dream school. Jim Herrick asked, offered me a scholarship. And he's like, Dougie, you know, you always want to be a Bruin. And I said, and this is like 18 year old me. Well, actually, coach, I really always want to go to Duke, but they took Wojo last year and he's only going to be a freshman. And then I can take another point guard this year. So, I mean, I just, I always want to go to Duke. Like, well, who says that to Jim Herrick? Like, I just go like, yes, coach, always want to be a Bruin. Let me think about it, you know? So the point is we were all assholes at, on some level. Um, so Mike Dean, I'm, I transfer out of, of Notre Dame and Dino starts to recruit me. And my infatuation with Marquette was a couple different things. One was that they played Notre Dame every year. Mm. And for whatever reason, like I, Notre Dame did nothing wrong in me leaving, but I wanted to kick Notre Dame's ass, you know? I just, I wanted to fucking kick their ass. So I mean, that's, I think that's natural. Most guys leave the school. You want just give me one. I just want one shot, you know? So I would have gotten, I would have had three shots. So, um, so that was one thing. And then Dino was like, look, we play an NBA arena, NBA city, and I'm going to play like an NBA point guard. And he came to my house and he gave me four. He gave me a, a, a basically a notebook with all plays sets that he was going to run for me. And he had another little guard who was uh, only 5'10", who was a shooter. And um, he's like, look, I run all this shit for him. He, he brought me tape of when he was at Siena. He had a guy named uh, uh, something, Brenneman, uh, Doremus, I think, D- uh, Darius Brenneman, who was a fucking baller. Like, I'm watching this kid, I'm like, this is the best player I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and then I, I went on a visit there. and. Um, Chris Crawford was one of my hosts, nicknamed Woody, played in the NBA bunch. He and uh, and Piper. And and this was right after Mike Dean had had gotten a, he got thrown thrown out, I think, against Providence in the NCAA tournament. And I mean, he was one of those like all timers, like, what did he say? What was the matter? So it was like a bad call. And as you know, Mike Dean has an eye. He has some eye disease. And when he starts yelling, that fucking eye starts going like gecko in the other direction. Right. So he wears 
and you played for him for how many years? One year you played for him? Two years. Okay. So he wears like tinted glasses, so you can't see it. So if you watch in the NCAA tournament game, he takes off his glasses and he points to his fucking lazy eye and goes, hey, fucker, I got one fucking eye and I can see that. So he got teed and he was going to be suspended the next time they played in the NCAA tournament, right? So this is the lunatic that I'm going to like take a visit to. So I never forget, I get there and Piper and Crawford, I, go, I walk into their, their apartment on campus at Marquette and there was like 10 beers stacked there and empty beer cans. And I was like, I'm just thinking to myself, like, you guys going to clean this shit up? There's like 10 beer cans here. So I sit down there like, Gottlieb, yes, you drink beer. Yes. Do you drink beer like we drink in Milwaukee? I was like, what does that mean? He goes, well, in Milwaukee, that's the beginning of a beautiful pyramid. You want to play at Marquette? That better be a fucking pyramid by the time you walk out of here. And like, that was the weekend. We just drank the whole fucking weekend. We went to a Brewers game. We drank. We went to the gym and hooped. We came home and drank. We went to a Bucks game and we drank. Like, we just drank. It was amazing. Anyway, the stories about Mike Dean and they're like, as crazy as Mike Dean is, okay, he replaced, um, uh, what's his name? God, hold on. I got to think of it. We'll have to edit this part. Oh, Kevin O'Neill. Kevin O'Neill. And they're like, Kevin O'Neill, 10 times crazy. I'm like, no fucking way. They're like, oh, Mike Dean, all he does is call you cocksucker, right? But Kevin O'Neill is a fucking lunatic. Like, wait. I was like, no way. Anyway, so <clears throat> Mike would write me letters a couple of days a week, like legit, like long letters. Like almost you look back, you're like, not sure that was all that healthy. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so. Do you still have uh, I, yours? I have a five page one that, that I, there is a reason why I signed with them. Yeah. Mine was, a, there was a four page letter. Yeah. It was the hardest. It was, it was so incredibly thoughtful oh, and meaningful. It was incredible. That I have I it in my have house. It. I have it in my house. I, I, should, I should have had it for this. I have it. My mom has it. And I was like, this is, and so when I had to call him and tell him like, hey, I'm going to Oklahoma State, he was like, okay, well, uh, you still want to work camp? I was like, really? Yeah. Come work camp. It's a fucking good time. You got a drink. It's like, okay. So I go to camp and um, I, you know, there's a, actually Nikki Collin, who's now the head coach at Baylor. We kind of dated we dated for a little while after that like that's where I, I met her on my visit and then we started hanging out then and um so i i had signed at a school not named marquette and not only did he have me work camp with have you camp i came back i think the next year and work camp and he worked with me on my free throw shooting and then we played them my junior year and at halftime, it's like a close game. They, they weren't, they were just okay. We're in Hawaii. We're not playing that well. And we come in and he, and I got to do the scatter report because coach knew I knew all those guys from playing camp with them. But, all, but he was, you cocksucker motherfucker, you know? And they were like, you want to play for him? He's fucking crazy. I was like, yeah, he's kind of crazy, but kind of fun. I don't know. That shit doesn't bother me, you know? So there's my, there's my Dino, Mike Dean story who I, um, I he's nuts, but he's one of those. If he's your friend, he's your friend. He's nuts. And as you said, you were a fuck up too, right? So you sign at Lamar. Now, 
again, I've actually played at Lamar. My dad had a tour team. We Did we play against you guys? We played you. And you had you had Edmund Saunders. And you, yeah. you guys were good. <laughs> you guys, you guys, hey, listen, that first, listen, that was my first game against you, Doug. And honestly, it was kind of great, uh, honestly, to play that opportunity to play against you, number one. But also, uh, that team you guys have are pretty freaking good. But like the up and down pace, the first two strides was like, what the, f-? like, and then you kind of just re-engage into it. Because I started, like, that was, that was kind of my role. I blew it. Uh, as a freshman, obviously, uh, blew what? what? What was your role? My starting role. I blew that opportunity right away after, uh, shortly after you're a freshman, and we're like 24, 25 years old, and we just we have no ramifications, we just go out and hoop, you know. And you guys were good. Well, yeah, I mean, like, again, by the time we by the time I played in that thing, you know, I had played 45 games in the USBL, I played. Uh, I was in, Russia. I was in Italy in a training camp. I was in CBA in a training camp, right? Like you're playing such. So when you get back to playing like college ball, you're like, this is fucking stupid. So easy, you know? And like, yeah, my dad yell at guys, but by that time you could do so much more than he even, he even understood, right? Everybody's level of understanding. And we had, and that was early, I think in the tour, I remember we beat you guys, but so you're, you're, so he writes you a five page letter. Yeah. And you decided to go to Beaumont, Texas. Well, I first com- I first committed to Loyola Chicago to Larry Farmer, but uh, another great. Now that's a great guy. Now that, oh, that's a, he's like a saint. First of all, that man made me feel like a million dollars, and I think I I, I didn't think I could uh, uphold the. He said, "You're a great rebounder. We're going to expect you to grab a lot of rebounds for your freshman year." I'm like, oh, okay. Jim Herrick Jr. is popping me, picking me up on the visit. And Lance Irving is a terrific individual at those times. Uh, co- good coaches and quality staff. And I had a good visit. but And this can go into my best Mike Dean story. Um, we, uh, we, 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 we just get destroyed. And, and they're good uh, at the time. And um, Did they have that little – what was that guy who had short arms? But kind of like that Georgetown big at the, the Sweetney. Mike Harris. Mike Harris. God, he Mike Harris. Him. And Willis Wilson, who's, again, a wonderful gentleman, was their coach. Yep. And Mike Harris was listed at 6'6". He ended up playing in the NBA. And now he would have played even more because he was like an undersized big. They beat you guys 91 to 72. It was awful. I I was, I was kind of uncharacteristically, again, um, you know, I, I still feel like leadership, Doug, I had not got the bug of what that truly was to not maybe feel myself as much as a player and understand kind of role definition more when I got to play for Jim Morris at Iowa Western. But even though with Mike Dean, I learned tons, but I think he overinflated maybe. I don't know. Either way, I'll get to the story. So Coach Leonard Drake, who's at Central Michigan, who is a great player at Central Michigan, was on that staff. And a big reason why I committed there uh, comes up to me after the game, just like, you know, I don't know. Like I was leading score with nine points and six rebounds. I don't know. You could look maybe. But either way, it was a terrible game. That just shows you how bad. And so Coach Drake brings me in the next day before I go to practice and have this drowly voice and being. You was awful on defense yesterday. 
And I, I just don't think you should start anymore. And I'm I'm a freshman, you know, and Coach Drake, and I'm brutally I destroyed his voice, rest his soul, because he was a wonderful man. Uh, I took it terribly. And I just was like, <laughs> like, it was just like at that age, like I just really, you know, we're going to talk about emotional feelings today, Doug. Like I really am in depth with that more than ever. But I could say that at that time, I wasn't prepared to deal with that. And I went right into practice and, you know, about – 20 minutes in and, you know, like I'm thinking, oh, well, this is for this and rebounded. What else? Like, I'm not naive um, and probably plus minus out the window with me because uh, of Mike Harris. But then so there's like we're just doing a drill and, and anywho, Mike starts yelling at me and I'm shooting, you know, our free throw on the top. And, you know, we had a nice gym at that Montaigne Center, Doug. I'm sure you, you didn't. Yeah, no, it was nice. Yeah, it, it was twenty, but ten thousand. But we're we're bringing in a quality about twelve hundred, and I. But it, it had a rich history, though, and there's some really is a lot of no. In the eighties, they went to the. Listen, hey, let me give me. I'll give you. Here's here's the thing about Lamar. Okay, it's kind of looks. It it's a weird campus. I don't remember there being a campus. It here's here's my memories of it. Okay, you drive in like from Houston, and there's like oil refineries everywhere. And there's the arena, and then there's some buildings that look like classroom buildings, and that's kind of about it. And I'm just, yeah, like, what was that place like? Oh, rough. So, you, Mike was that good of a recruiter with that letter, man, that he was able <laughs> to get me to go away from Chicago to Beaumont, Texas, man, to go right there. You know, I will say this, Doug, all that being said, there's great people down there. Uh, I, I really did enjoy some of those looking back at the time, even my teammates, you kind of swallow a lot of those maybe edges you might have had. I think as a coach, as you know, I coached for 10 years where I had, you know, the things like that, where you had good experiences and bad, you know, it was my first team, you know, I was kind of a basketball nomad, but I really like there's some of those guys are really talented. And anywho, uh, Mike yells at me about something, and I kind of like Doug. Worst decision of my life. After Leonard said what he said to me, I lifted my like you know. I just did this, shrugged my shoulders at Mike. I shrugged my shoulders at Mike. By the way, Kevin O'Neill, I feel like I, I I don't even know who he could be the way Mike had, has has spoken about this gentleman as well. Um, but yeah, so. He, he all of a sudden I shoot my free throw and one of my teammates is looking behind me like with utter fear of like, you have no idea what kind of black glassed man, you know, of only us, only me or you can or anyone. Obviously, the great history of Mike and all the great people who played for him know the glasses. But he's I, I suddenly look behind me. And Mike is spitting in my face, calling, I mean, cocksucker. Like, I literally. You fucking I, cocksucker. I, I think a favor was I should have been swallowed. Uh, that was, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Like, whatever, I could take it. I could take That's it. That's amazing. Know? I know what, you know what, whatever. We could take, we could take it. Like, I was built for that, honestly, with my, like, high school, like, what was going on? And so, anywho. That happened. And then we get going with the layup line. And I turn to the scores table and I just slam my hand into the rubber part and I break my hand. And this is like, you know, again, like a freshman, you know, this is what I have a broken hand. And now it's just like the most reality of realities first hit me in my life. 
uh, of like, you are just, you might just have lost your life here. Like, you know, who knows what happens. And so, cause I mean, you feel so responsible for this as a leader on that team as well. And I got back in line and like the next possession, the ball comes to me and I think it bounces off my hand. And I said, what the hell? And then blood stops the price. Like, go look at him, Mark. And Mark's like looking at my hand and he's befuddled because there's a bone sticking out. <laughs> he's like, coach, his hand's broke. And like, they rushed me out of practice and into the locker room. And I'm just sitting there, Doug, with utter despair of what's about to happen to my life, you know? And so Wait, you and, broke your hand? Yeah. Well, no, utter despair about what Mike's going to do to me. I mean, I oh, felt terrible about what I did to my teammate. Yeah, because he was, he was motherfucking you. And then you got kicked out of practice? I Oh, Doug, I broke my hand. And my bone was sticking out. He didn't see that part. I got... How did, he, how, how did you break your hand? I hit the side of the scores table. Because like, you're so mad? Yeah, just... You know, after a loose ball or something like that. And I just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you punch something, your hands fucked up, your bones popping out. Mike comes in and says what? So, well, Coach Drake was the first one to answer. <laughs> the gentleman, uh, the unbelievable coach, uh, obviously, uh, I, I alluded to earlier, comes in first like, man, because I, I told Mike I had taken a charge. I said I, I blurbered something about a charge. I had done. <laughs> And uh, and then he goes, Mike, you just getting the hell out of here. You know, what Mike does. And just like, like they just wave me along and uh, I get in the locker room. And he goes, I seen you do that dumbass shit. And I just say, but then he looked at me kind of more like with what a mentor at that time would look like at a 19 year old player that I deserve. Like I felt like helped me just was like, you're you're going to be OK. You know, we're going to get through this and went to that right after that and saw me kind of in that moment. But hit me with some real stuff. But like then Mike was in there shortly after. And um, Doug, what I can say was honorable about him, like your story, which uh, you shared, uh, which I'd like to share about Mike, which would be interesting to hear others. Uh, he was more kind. And so was his wife, Paula, to welcome me into their like help, you know, help me back to really just awesome. He was incredibly kind about it. Like he like surprisingly kind to the point of like, like he realized, you know, the emotional extent of it outweighed the, the anything else. And so did his wife. And I think they kind of had that with not maybe having children at the time, maybe. And their, their long stem relationship, just, they were, they were pretty good guardians to, I mean, what, what, what you amount to what it is today. I don't, I don't know. We had a decent staff and we won some games and had some good players, but uh, that kind of threw a lot of wrench into things for me that, that year, Doug, and we kind of had a good year, but you know, lost to Murray state. And I was kind of a one foot in and out the door. And, 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 you know, with Mike, uh, if he sees that at that point, and I kind of alluded to him, I wanted to transfer and, um, and that's where kind of looking at options, you know, where I had to say to myself, like you had uh, with Notre Dame, I'm sure, uh, well, way higher level. Uh, I would love to hear more about what you those those teams uh, as well. But um, with Notre Dame, where you transferred and had to make that decision and bet on yourself. And that's a tough thing to do as a young man, especially when I, I couldn't go back, though. I was I was thinking about transferring and, you know, nobody knew that I had taken credit cards. And what happened was I got home and my brother came out at the end of my freshman year to drive back with me. And um, uh, so we drove back and when we got back, Coach McLeod called and he's like, Dougie, I heard, you know, you think about talking to people about transferring, 
And I was like, well, you know, I, I don't know, coach. I just, I, I need to kind of figure it out. You know, like I, a lot of parts I like, a lot of parts I didn't like. And we talked through some things. So he basically said like, Hey, I'll call you in a week. You got a week because uh, we're going to, there's a kid named Jimmy Dillon and we're going to have to, we need a point guard. If, well, if you don't come with add more white. You remember those times? Yeah. We got to add more. We got to add more white. It was my backup. Who I beat out and Admore's a great dude. He started some before I got there. He started the first four games and he's like, you know, we're, we're okay, but we'll get Jimmy Dillon. And, uh, but we can't take him unless, you know, you, you decide, if you decide you're going to leave, you know, we don't want you to leave. And he started talking, you know, anyway. And then like three days later, it wasn't a week. And I was like, fuck, why is he calling? And he, then he's like, you know, there's some accusations here. So, you know, so then I had a, basically like a week to like figure it out. And I, I called him back a week later and I was like, coach, look, I'll, I'll come back. I'll be suspended. I'll do whatever. I just want to make it right. And he was like, you know, this is kind of above my pay grade. I, you know, well, here's what we're going to say. We're going to say you're homesick. So then I spent that summer, I played in junior college events and I had, you know, Cincinnati and Alabama and Marquette and some others. They wanted me to come and, and redshirt and sit out. And they didn't know about, it was, it was like agreed to, I wouldn't talk about it, about Notre Dame. It was agreed to with Notre Dame. Uh, and so I just, you know, I, what I wanted to do was because I had signed, I committed to Notre Dame in like October of my senior year. And I remember it was December of my senior year. Hold up. So I, the, December of my senior year is 94, 95. They play Loyola Marymount, which is, Mm -hmm. 35 minutes from my house and it was a good close game LMU at the time was pretty good and um, he did something which I had never seen done before it's like an NBA move where it was a tie game and they were on defense and he fouled intentionally their worst free throw shooter to get the ball back to win the game and it worked I think they beat Oler Marymount maybe in overtime or something I'd never seen that before and my dad was like, I think he just fouled to get the ball, to have the ball to win the game, whereas they could have run out the clock right. and, and taken the last shot. So two nights later, they played the University of San Diego, who's not very good. And I mean, they were, they were you know, two West Coast Conference teams. LMU is a little bit better. And um, they were down 31 points to the half. And I remember turning to my dad and I was like, what do we do? He's like, what do you mean? I go. What, what did we do? I, I, you, you advised me. We signed, I signed to school and they suck. It's like, you know, that you, he relaxed and be okay. And I was like, you know, you're just looking and you're like, like, we're going to go in the big East with that shit, you know? And you could kind of see it. You're like, well, you know, you put me in there and you have Pat Garrett and you got Ryan Hoover, like it's better, but you're like, they're down 31 points to the university of San Diego. Um, so my point is, when you fast forward a year and a half, you realize how much things change during that one year where you would be sitting out. Coaches leave, assistants leave, players leave. I'm like, why would I, why would I go commit? And then I'm stuck there. Right. Or, and this is before you could grad transfer. Like, just sit out and wait. And so I sat and waited and went through a whole recruiting process, recruiting cycle. So you decide, what was it? Did you go in person to see him to tell me when to leave? Did you do it on the phone when you got home? Like, how did you decide to leave? Well, I wish I could ask you more follow-up questions, but... Um, you can so, ask whatever you want. 
Well, well, you have your follow-up, so I'll answer that and then ask you your follow-up. But when I wanted to leave was kind of after the broken hand, honestly, Doug. I felt like I let my team down tremendously. And Beaumont, as you know, it was straight, you know, as you described, I would never want to, it's an area, you know, it's one of the first industrial, as a lot of people know, as a smell. <laughs> but but it, but it, there's a lot of talent. Kendrick goes in, like, I mean, Steven Jackson, you have a Port Arthur, that Golden Triangle, UGK is one of my favorite rap groups, Scarface. I mean, that whole area has really got a lot of quality. Bum, 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 bum. That's Houston, though. That's not really Port Arthur. You caught Doug living down there, the, the Golden Triangle. I, I don't want to comment on it because Steve, like those guys, it's there, you know. So, but, um, but it, 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 either way, I had quality players I've coached from there. Um, so and, you, okay. So, oh. so, so you break your hand. How much did you play that year? Oh, I came back like, you know, Doug, feeling as bad as I did. I was like, how do I have to? So I have a plate and five screws in here. And somehow, you know, they they put that together. And I, you know, got back in three weeks and played with the pad and a hand uh, on my shooting hand for the rest of the season. Not to make an excuse for myself because it's all my doing, but I shot a terrible percentage um, and from the field and, and from the free throw line. And it just... I probably didn't help myself with my teammates with doing something like that at that time either. And um, I kind of made it be known the year before, but honestly, I'd love to talk about the Maccabi games, but we'll, I guess, touch on that whenever you want. Um, But uh, that spring, I kind of opened things up and it was like, well, I could go to like other, like low deal. No, I'm not dealing with Doug Gottlieb, McDonald's all American, uh, you know, your visits must have been nice, but uh, <laughs> my visits were good. But you know, I had Montana State, and you know, maybe some schools like that. But uh, the best option I had got advice from my core nucleus, which was kind of your dad in a way, and some other people just like junior college. And I went to Iowa Western or San Jacinto, southeastern Illinois. I was thinking about Marshalltown, I was thinking about. You know, I was mainly focused on where it's kind of focused in now, Hutch, and some of those. And Iowa Western with Galen is just all that sold me. And Jim Morris called me and said, we'd love to have you. And, you know, thankfully, they had already established a great program with Galen and Will Perkins, who you might have played with, played against Doug at Washington. If you ever played against Washington, uh, he would have been against uh, around your time as well. Um, But that next year at Iowa Western, uh, it was the Jerry Mullen showcase and kind of getting exposed to that. But um, I, I really stepped in uh, to where I kind of was nut cutting time. And, you know, I kind of built for that. I feel like they, I might, people know my story is just kind of my upbringing. And by that time in my life, you know, overcoming the broken hand and so forth, junior cause was just another obstacle to get back to division one um to a program that i would still want to you know hopefully compete at and i was really playing at my highest level at the time probably and uh i had a great season at iowa western and played with some great players uh that uh, we i believe we had nine division one players on that team and um and that league had southeastern iowa which uh had ivan almonte i think the following season led the ncaa in rebounding at florida international and Philberto Rivera, who was a tremendous basketball player. Yeah, I know Philly. Philly, Philly Rivera went to UTEP. He was he was a stud. Yeah, and then Jake Sados, who was a good shooter. And then, they, like, Doug Thomas, who's 
freaking i mean la you know doug thomas maybe uh uh, okay uh but either way uh our our junior college doug is well versed as you are well known at that time that's Corey hightower just left indian hills and he got drafted the year prior with Corey height with uh i think in the first round and so did another six ernest jones who was a seven footer um and it was like okay you (laughs) i can do that you know you I'm retarded. My my myself of uh, redundant. Like I don't know. I'm just not believing. Knowing quite yet of who I quite was as a player. Uh, but Jim Morris at Iowa Western uh, taught me a lot of quality things that I needed, Doug. And uh, that also was nice for me to live in Omaha and live with a couple buddies of mine that played football at UNO at the time. They made life kind of comfortable. Yeah, maybe help some things. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Paid by up-level rewards. Paid participation required. Actor portrayal. Attention all listeners. Are you ready to earn $750? Well, get ready because I'm about to introduce you to GetMy750.com, the ultimate way to earn. Here's the scoop. Instead of just streaming shows or playing games on your phone for nothing, you have the chance to earn additional cash. That's right. From trying out new subscriptions to playing your favorite mobile games, you can get extra cash in your pocket. Simply sign up at GetMy750.com and follow the instructions to start earning immediately. So, what are you waiting for? Turn your favorite apps into real cash with GetMy750.com. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to earn rewards for things you're already doing on your phone. Check out GetMy750.com today. That's right. Get started right now at GetMy750.com. Just go to GetMy750.com or Google Get My 750 Cash. Follow the simple instructions and get your $750. That's GetMy750.com. GetMy750.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. So uh, what was Mike Sutton like to play, play for at Tech, Tennessee Tech? The polar opposite of 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 Mike Dane, um, and, and 
in unique ways, they, they both very much helped me along in my life. Um, and I, and I thank both of them, honestly, if I could think back to those times and I think Doug, we've seen so much in some of the horror stories that you see out there that you're almost kind of thankful for some of the things and some of those guys and some of their guidance, but Sutton was, uh, you know, he was a good coach for us. Uh, you know, he had coached with Tubby Smith uh, for about 18 years as an assistant from Tulsa and followed him on to Kentucky. Um, one of the reasons why I fell in love with that program was just Cookville, Tennessee, um, the area, Nashville. Have you been to that area? Of It's beautiful. Uh, you know, you're talking about Gatlinburg is 45 minutes from Cookville where Tennessee Tech is located. Um, in Tennessee, uh, I, I really didn't know much about it until the visit and I was pursued heavily by uh, the re head recruiter, uh, Steve Payne. And, you know, they did the they went overboard, you know, I mean, they, they didn't go, I was no Ricky Rowe blue chip like you, Doug, but you know, I got to have, uh, get to have some great, you know, Nashville, you know, fun and, and then head on into, you know, Cookville and, and, and get a good experience of what the people were like there where I made a great decision, uh, because, um, furthermore, having a great college life, which I think was important for me, uh, we won um, the conference championship my senior year as a captain on that team with alongside uh, a great friend of mine who's kind of just different backgrounds, but Willie Jenkins, who grew up in the inner cities of Memphis. But uh, we were the only seniors on that team of mostly freshmen, which is kind of ironic if you think about the bipolarness of how I came into basketball. Right. <laughs> I wanted to guide these young men along. And I, we, we had really talented freshmen, Doug. And I was uh, smart enough to realize how to utilize some of like utilize my role to the the best of what it looked like, because that mattered to me most. I wanted to win. And uh, Amadi McKenzie uh, was a great player as a freshman, plays still uh, maybe still playing overseas in France, was a freshman on that team. Anthony Fishers played overseas for 10 or 11 years in top leagues in Israel. Um, Derek Stribling was a transfer in from Tennessee. Belton Rivers was a transfer in from East Carolina that started there. And we had size and we had like just talent and athletes. And that, Doug, I'm sure you well know, OVC is very talented. And I love, you know, Murray State and Tevin Brown. And I love the OVC conference in terms of athletic durability. But we won our league as a senior and I worked hard and I loved my college experience in Cookville and Tennessee Tech. And, you know, my journey was my journey and I don't regret it. Um, so the Maccabi Games. What, what what should people know about the Maccabi our Maccabi games together? Philadelphia, where I was born and oh no. So it was must have been funny for you guys to see me walk. I'd like to see the reaction. Like, what was it like seeing me walk in to like to that environment? Well, I mean, part of it is if you remember I walked in late. So yeah, but I wasn't there. I don't think I stayed the whole time. Oh. Okay, so 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 here's what people should know. So um Maccabi games are the like the, the, the Jewish Olympics. Um, I played them uh, on them in 97 and um, we lost in the semis and then Israel lost in the semis. So we had to play them for the silver medal. We lost to a team we had beaten by 60. How? Uh, I mean, fuck it. Right. It's uh, a podcast. Was, well, was our coach. I'll tell you what happened with us. 
I mean, her her Brown was our coach. I disappointed and, her. Huh? I disappointed her in my second time around, Doug. Uh, so her Brown was our coach, and first they were they were total dicks to me in tryouts and my brother. And I don't know if I had a reputation or ever. It was uh, I was ninety seven, right? So I was. It was the year that I was sitting out, and I was in incredible shape because I was working with Marvinovich and I was playing all the time. I played with him at junior college, Golden West, but I didn't play in the games. I just helped coach in the games. So I maintained that year of eligibility. And I remember going to the West Side Jewish Center in LA for tryouts and they were just on, on my ass the whole time. And like, I think they were just testing me to see if uh, Ronnie, Ronnie Gantlin or whatever his name was. He was at UNLV with Tark for a while. Like he was just, they were just dicks to me. I was like, what the fuck? So they cut my brother too, who was good. Like Craig should have been on that team, but we had a good team. We had, uh, uh, we had Ryan, um, huh? Be yank. We had Brian in Kelvish, but he didn't get to play cause he had a heart. He like passed out and he had like a heart problem. So they didn't let him play in the games and that he was like our leader. He was, he was a tremendous passer, hell of a player. So he didn't play. The, the white, the Draymond, the white. He was the white, he was the white Jewish Draymond. No question. Like brilliant basketball mind, um, incredible passer, you know, heavy, but knew how to use his body, could guard anybody. I, he was great, but he, and he was like our ringleader. And then we get, he had a, he had like an episode where he, I don't know if he got hot or something, but he passed out and they did all these hard tests on him. They're like, he can't, didn't get to play. So we beat Canada by 60 in the pool play and we play him. And I don't think I went, I didn't go out the night before. Like I was, a, I was a hooper. I didn't go out, but I, I know. know. I'm somebody, sorry to roll my eyes. I have no clue. I didn't know you at the time. And the way you, no, I mean, I, the second time first. around, I went out when it was, I oh. didn't, didn't fucking matter. But that time I didn't go out. And David Bluthenthal, Blue was only 17. I don't think he went out then. But a lot of the other guys who were growing up, so they went out. <laughs> Whatever. And I think because Herb, because we won by 60, like he was, he played everybody in the first half. Yeah. And they had a guy that just caught a heater and was throwing him in from everywhere. And you know, now everybody's asshole gets tight. And we just lost by like two points. It was devastating. So I'm like, I had a great time. The basketball wasn't very good. Yeah. How, how like within that game, I want to hear the dynamics of like, you beat a team by six. Cause like when you guys told me that story on that team, I was on, like, it was awesome to have you guys. Cause like Lexer and Yank came to training camp and Gabe Frank. And by the way, that was incredible to have Herb and some of you guys like kind of tell us those stories. But like when you guys said that, like 60 and then lost, like that's crazy. It was crazy. It was, it was like they were they were just a bunch of guys, right? Grown men. But they had one or two hoopers. Did they bring and, you a, a professional Euro? That that happened to me multiple times. Yes. Yeah, so so that's okay. what ha- so that's what happened is the rules are. Israel and the U.S. You have to be all Jewish. The other program, other other countries, you can have two non-Jews. So I don't know if this, like in hindsight, I don't know if this dude was Jewish, but he was fucking hooping. No, he was not. And I, and they're playing like a zone, and our zone offense. Remember, Herb had been in the NBA forever, 
And back then the NBA didn't have zones. And I remember our zone offense was terrible. And like, all we should have just done was press and just, you know, trap them and move it. But they were old men. They were passing that thing around, hitting shots. And then, and then again, he's playing guys. That it's like, you know, you get down the first half, you're like, shit, I barely fucking played. Right. And, um, you know, the second half, we, I, I, I don't remember it. Like, I think I've deleted that. I remember like every game ever. I remember play calls and everything. That one, I kind of deleted from the memory bank. Really? I just remember that we beat a team by 60 and then he's fucking around subbing in the first half. And even in the second half, and we got dudes that are shitty. And then, you know, like I was just okay. I mean, I didn't feel like I play. I, by the time I like got, we got in rhythm, like me and Jimmy Kaiserman were hooping, but nobody else was helping. And then we didn't have, and then we didn't have Miami. Yeah. We didn't have uh, Brian Yankelevich. So fast forward four years later, I'm done playing in college. I'd had a bad experience in Israel um, the year before because I was supposed to get Israeli citizenship. I flew to Israel. I was playing on a team that was practicing in Italy. And my agent didn't tell me I had to, I didn't give me like an Israeli address. So when they asked me where, like, where would you live? I was like, I live in Italy. Like, oh, you cannot get Aliyah in Italy. What do you mean you can't get Aliyah? I'm fucking Jewish. I can get, you know, or, you show up, you get Aliyah. Like, no, you must to live in Israel. Wasn't in Israel, that gross? Israel for Wasn't one year. Was it gross? Huh? Was it and that so, gross? So I said, yeah. So I said, so I walk outside. My agent's like, the, the Israeli agent's like, where's your papers? I was like, bro, you got to give me an Israeli address. I just fucked the whole thing up. So then I, this is, this is the, this is one of those. I've, I've only told a couple people's story. So I was practicing in Italy. And the team was, it was a weird year because they had come up with this Bozeman A and Bozeman B rule. So if I played in Israel, even though I'm Jewish and I could get Aliyah, I would count as a Bozeman B. So I'm going up against all the Yugoslavians, all the Russians, all the Croatians. You're not like, you don't get the That's real a good too, Roman. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, I mean, with how heavily talented the league was, overseas was equally as tight as much as high major basketball, I feel like, does. Well, plus, they, they like look down on American basketball or when you're young, like there's right. some, you, you know, it's a different style of basketball. Like there's some secret that you only get from playing in Israel like three, four years. So, um, so they take me to Ashdod to like work out, I don't know, try out for the team. And I just remember like I was, I had done the Lakers free agent camp and I was like, I got beat out by Mike Pemberthy who's a coach now with him. But I felt like, man, I was really close. And I was hooping when I played against you guys and North Carolina, we beat. So uh, I go to Ashdod and I've been, I had literally flown back from Italy from, from LA with the Lakers. Cause I was in training camp. I did the USBL. Then I did summer league. Uh, then I get married and then I go to Italy and then I fly to LA and I fly back to Italy after they don't keep me. And I, I worked out for like two days and we had a, we had a practice and then a scrimmage, a friendly game. And then I flew to Israel and I hadn't eaten. I hadn't slept. I'm like stinky. I'm pissed off. I'm not getting my, you know, it's like one of those like worst days of your life ever. Mm. And so the Israeli agents like he's scrambling because mm. my job in Italy 
is as an Israeli, not as an American. They already have Keith Jennings, Mr. Jennings, who played Tennessee, Tennessee State, I think, right? <laughs> who is NBA point guard. So, like, I'm his backup, and but I'm an Israeli. So he's like scrambling, like, we got to get you on an Israeli team. So he takes me to Ashdod, and I was like, what can I make in Ashdod? They're like, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars. I was like, what the fuck, you know? So I was like, all right, whatever. I just let me just go hoop. And I was bad. I remember getting on the plane, or I remember driving back in the car, and the guys like these really agents like talking to me. And I just, I just want to turn to him and go like, hey, dude, you know what? If you don't say one word to me. I would be much happier. Like I'm just not in a good headspace. Like, you know, I mean, like, look, I was at the time I'm 24 years old. You know, I had, you know, it's like you're a whisker away from the final four. And now you're, did, was that my last workout ever? Like, I don't want to wow. play for $2,000 a month in Ashdod. Like, no, thanks. And I got back to my hotel in Jerusalem. And I just remember like, I don't even want to, I was, you know, fairly newly married and I just like, didn't even want to call home and, and explain everything. Like I just, it was, I was a bad moment. So my point is. That's that despair, dude. I didn't know why, what? Cause I think I, I, my wife couldn't believe it one time. She goes, you valued your life on your basketball. Like, I was like, yeah, like if I had a good game or a bad game, I would either hated myself for, <laughs> for a long time there. It, it gets to a point where you kind of harness it in the right ways, but sorry. Yeah, to I don't, yeah, I mean, I think. Or yes, don't. I would, or, I would agree, but you do, you beat yourself up. You see your plays now over and over again. Like, it's a really hard. It's well, what hard could have I done different? I kept that. Yeah, I think honestly, probably mattered too much. Like I, I envy those guys that like just didn't give a fuck. Like I gave too many fucks about everything. Yeah, every shot, every possession. God, I, why didn't I just take this? Why didn't I take a layup there? Why didn't I do this? Well, why, you know, I, I was coming out of the game anyway. Why didn't I take a shot? You know those things. So that's you were a good remember. athlete too. A lot of people didn't realize. <laughs> like, dude, you like I was shocked in training camp when you went out with two, and I was like, okay. Yeah, I mean, that time in my life, I was that was like peak athleticism. So, so they asked me to like, hey, you want to come and play? And, and the only thing I, I was like, can I just show up for the tournament part? Like, I don't really want to do all that. I don't really <laughs> for sure, especially with so, her. First so, like, no, you can't. You got to come. You got to come to training camp. So I go to Philadelphia, and you know, Gabe Frank became one of my. He became one of my best friends, and I had played with those guys in the Pan Maccabi Games in Mexico. Mm. And the Pan Maccabi games, again, same type of thing where most of the games are a joke and you get to the finals and it's a good team. And Sandy Pionin was the head coach and he was a famous AU coach from New Jersey. And he would just yell and scream, but not actually tell you what to do. Mm. And like, he was just, you know, he was just an AU coach where he was just like about playing hard and play harder, which is great. You know, you're not fucking playing hard. So finally, I was just like, I would take the pen. I would, I basically, I coached the team and he would argue with me and I would, I was a dick. I was just like, you know what the fuck you're talking about? Do this. And we'll, anyway, so if I was, Herb was a strong personality and I respected Herb a great deal, even though I thought he fucked up the Canada game four years before. And I just want to come back and win the gold medal. That's all I want to do. 
And it wasn't quite the same with the, because when we went in 97, it wasn't just that we had Yankelevich and we had these older dudes mm-hmm. and they were really good leaders. But also we went to Kutcher's, which is like a famous like Jewish summer camp. Yeah. And we were there for like two weeks training. You know, we, I we love like their- super, super close. Like those guys, it was crazy. We did all this and, and we did scrimmages and they brought in pros. And it was like the amount of investment in the team that I coached the team. Was it five years ago? Yeah. And like we had two practices at Fairfield University and then we flew and practiced a bunch there and end up winning the thing. But yeah, the investment exactly. and then to lose in the semis after that much, I was just so pissed. So I was there for training camp, but I wasn't there because I was with the Lakers in summer league. If you remember, I wasn't there for the touring. Oh, you I just showed up. Far, I think uh, we all realized, Doug. I mean, we did have Aaron Gingle, who was a seven yeah. five behemoth Jewish. Person. Yes. And, and a wonderful human being, by the way. I, yeah. I, one of the nicest. Great, great dude. I forgot we had a 7.5 dude. Who was in a major uh, car accident. And really, I wish I could have valued his time more at the time. But uh, it was shocking to me. I was like, Tamir Goodman and me are in the same deal. But yeah. I'm Jewish from Omaha, Nebraska. Like, yeah. So, like, I'm over here like, well, I'm, like, I feel like I'm better than him. Like, I did. And then I went to camp. And like when I went to camp in that fall for that Maccabi team, Larry Shiat was the original coach. Yes. And I think you were just like good enough that John no, I was were just like you had like the free pass. You and David Blumenthal were like, yes, we're taking these guys. Yes. And then the rest of us had to try out. But but I went so did to Tamir the, not make the team. What did Tamir not make the team? No. He didn't make the team. Now, I, yo, he didn't make the team. Now, now I'll get to where kind of that, you know, as well, it was kind of a weird time. No, he didn't make the team. He, and honestly, I was at the camp and anyone else was at the camp probably will tell you who the best player was. I, I'll say I, David Blumenthal was there and we went toe to toe. I, he was way better. I feel, I mean, you know that Dave kind of showed up because you know how quality character he is. Uh, but I, you know, that I remember him and there was that Sam kid who was at Harvard, but I got to meet a good friend of mine, Matt Minoff at the time. It was at Yale. Minoff, sure. But, but there, we, we had a lot of talent. There was 200 Jew- Jewish kids there that were a lot more talented than I realized, but I bought, I like that fur tag guy was there. I feel like you said that name and then Larry Shiat was our coach. And, and so I made that first four roster with you. Me, David Bluenthal, and then a guy from Penn. Oh, David Klatsky. Yes. Who was a good player, by the way. High-level IQ uh, basketball player. Um, well, Josh Schachter was on that in that thing, too. He, yeah. Uh, well, you know, he didn't make that team, though. But yeah. Tamir showed up with his Orthodox rabbi behind him, Doug, and it was kind of crazy to see. Because, you know, that article came out, and here I am, this Jewish kid from Omaha. No, no one knows that there's Jews from Omaha past New York. Right? Well, here's, here's, what, here's what you find, and I think this is it's interesting, right? And this is what you find when you, um, I think, Tamir found out at that camp, and then you find out as a, I, one of the reasons that a lot of guys that play high major basketball don't fare well in the minor leagues and don't fare farewell overseas is Good point. like, I think everybody, I've never played in a game that I didn't want to win. That wasn't no one to kill the other dude to, to want to win. No doubt. 
But uh, like I remember going against Aubrey Reese, who's a Murray State guy in the CBA. I was in the CBA for the Idaho Stampede. And he was a very high. He had a great senior year. He's a really good player. And he was actually drafted by the Stampede. And we're like fighting for the same starting spot. And I remember like this dude fucking hated me. He like hated me. And, and I've met, and I've talked to him since and he was really cool, but he's like, you were on TV all the time. We'd watch you on TV. And I was always like, I'm better than that motherfucker. I'm a, you know, I'm a, if, if I ever get on the same court as him, I'm going to fuck him up. I'm going to kill him. Were you right? scoring more in those Baltic, in the, the, those leagues? Were, were you, cause I know no. you were upheld to a level that was not no. compared I, to today, right? No, cause like, it was like three games and you were gone. If you didn't get 20, that's how they felt. And some of no, them, right? that wasn't really how we, when I was because I went to Russia and we kind of had a, a a team made to win a championship. And I, I had I scored more, it would have I would have stayed there longer, but they didn't really they just needed somebody to they just need a point guard. Mm. Really, they had a, they had we had a ton of other scores and that was a really high level for my first job, to be honest with you. But anyway, and I kind of broken out of the not shooting thing, playing for my dad and the exhibition deal but i would get when i was on your, my own your game would, get, would facilitate better today with the downhill opening up like yeah, i feel like yeah no i basically like and that's how i played in high school was threes and layups i didn't i didn't have you know yeah. you get to know when i get to notre dame they were like you need a pull-up jump shot like, well, i don't need a pull-up jump shot. <laughs> anyway your so i was uh, ahead of the curve with that yeah so I, that, with that my my memories of that were like i just all i want to do is go and play in the tournament. And I was, and I love shy it, but it was when Herb was like, Hey, I'm going to coach this thing. Shy can't do it. Do you want to come? And I was story. like, yeah, but I'm, I'm not going to all that touring stuff. Cause I'm with the Lakers. And so I had one game left with the Lakers and they were like, look, now who's on this roster, Doug, uh, of the Lakers, Slava Medvedenko, who is a great dude. Devin the most George. efficient. Uh, Devin George, who is a really superhuman being, okay. uh, Penberthy, and then uh, Penberthy beat me out again, and then um, Joe Crispin, Crispin. who is like the world's nicest dude. And that's when I kind of really learned about was your backcourt made on BWBA, I believe. Huh? Was he your backcourt made on BWBA? No, no, okay. Crispin. Chris, I never got to like we would we would have killed dudes. It was me and him. He, he was, was good. Uh, he, was, he was really, he was really good today. He was really good. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, like they just told me they're like, look, if you stay one game, you don't stay one game. It's not gonna. We're still gonna invite you to vet many camp. You know, you're not. We're not giving you a camp invite yet. And so that's why I ended up doing. So I left. Then I joined you guys, and we had a practice at like one practice, like Wingate, and then we played the tournament, and we had a blast, and we won. And we beat Israel in the championship at Metro West. Yeah. And Saron Drucker was the coach of the Israeli national team. And he was my coach the next year. And I didn't like Sharon Drucker at the time because Miles Simons, my best friend, he played for Sharon and he hated playing for Sharon. Like they butted heads. I hated and how so that the next year, over there like that. Playing, there. So guilty by association is more common, I feel like, in some of that. Yeah. Then, then the next year after 9-11, guess who I played for? Sharon Drucker with Maccabi Ranana. And what's amazing about it is they took so long they were they to, to get the money right. 
they kept bullshitting with the money. Like we're like $10,000 off for a, for a 10 month contract. Like are we, are we really going to go back and forth? Like I'm not. So finally we got the money, right. But by the time they registered me, it was like a day late in Israel. So I had to miss the first four games. So I played in friendlies. Couldn't play. The, so Sharon was great. He's like, Gottlieb, you come with us. You come to, to coffee after games and we talk. We come to coaches meeting. It was like just like junior college again, where I was like a coach and a player. But he like would ask my opinion. I would give him my opinion. And then when I started playing, he would use it against me. It's like, oh, Mr. Gottlieb, you professor, you have the answer. It's like, dude, two weeks ago, we were having coffee at the coffee bean in Renana. And you asked for my opinion. What do you like? This doesn't make any sense to me. And then the other thing they would do, which is amazing, it's like Inspector Gat. Like it really is. It's stuff yeah, like that. Thing, like subtle stuff. Another, like that's the bullshit. Only, you know, they wanted Israeli on the court at all times, right? right? So the other, the only Israeli that could really play at the time was Guy Contour, and Guy was like a combo guard. He was a good player. Uh, he did not like me because we're playing for the same spot. And remember, I had just come from the Lakers, right. and the Lakers like. Pemberthy is a great dude. Like all he wants to do is shoot jump shots and go play golf. Yeah. Shoot jump shots and talk about golf. That's it. Right. Wow. And then Joe Crispin is very religious, loves ball and Christ and is a nice human being. So we're fighting for the same stake, but like, you like, you know, you get in the game and you're cheering for each other, you know, like yeah. guy contour, I play good in the first half and we come in and everything was in English. And all of a sudden he and Jerome would disappear and you'd hear them yelling at each other in Hebrew. And, like, and guys would look at me like, oh, it's on now, dude. They're yeah. talking to you, bro. You know they're talking about you. And we come out, and I'd hardly play in the second half. Like, what the fuck? That's I love my, it. I love answer. hearing your story. Okay, bro. so so you get done playing at Tennessee Tech. Why did you decide? When did you go into coaching? Yeah, great question. Um, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do quite yet. Um, and, sir, I was sitting there in 2005, and – you know, obviously um, feeling good on that conference championship run. Uh, but um, Coach Sutton, uh, you know, unfortunately fell down with Gillian Barr syndrome, a rare disease watching Willie out at the, um, uh, what was the Plattsmith, Plight, Plight, Plattsmith, Ply, Plymouth. Why is it Plattsmith? Plattsmith. UW Plattville? No, what's the the one the first pro camp where all the good players used to go first? Portsmouth. Portsmouth. And he fell uh, ill there. And you know, I worried about his sleep deprivation, Doug. On he fell asleep on my visit on <laughs> the recruit. I, I could I, John Junkers was a, a good guy who was an assistant on the Western staff, sitting in the office for Mike was talking to me and just kind of fell off. But like, you know, at the time I'd been in basketball three years where I got where, you know, that that kind of energy came from where you could fall asleep and maybe doze off from time. <laughs> I don't, but either way, uh, I never quite registered at the health risk of what it was at. And that's not a laughing matter, but that was real serious. And his life was on the line and I didn't really have much. Uh, I, what I had Doug was I'm going to go play Maccabi this 2005 team. And since I had that great experience with you guys, uh, which was amazing, by the way, um, Lexer, you, Gabe, uh, Brent Fisher, Matt Minoff, even like some of those who's major mumbles, but good, good player though. Yeah, but either way, so 
uh, that experience with great experience winning that with you, I had that opportunity to, you know, say, okay, am I going to go overseas? And so this is where I meet Zev Gross, who reaches out to me before I go to training camp in Philly. And by the way, I, I love playing for Herb Brown and uh, that first time with you guys. But I think your 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 whole situation with Canada probably um, had us ready, more ready than we were probably prepared for. Even I, I, it kind of made sense with how um, urgent things were with everybody to win that that Maccabi games because 05. It was kind of I won the gold with you guys, and that experience is amazing. Like you, you, you guys lost. By the way, you showed up and just like one, you you literally played as good enough to win the MVP. I will say this to you too. I was the MVP. You were, but you were good enough to win it. Yeah, well, but like your name, okay, but you were good enough. You had like fourteen points and nine assists, and were you? I I think I had a little more than that. Well, I don't know. Either way, that Israeli team was a little more than that. Okay, maybe twenty-one and nine. 20, well, let's look. You had the date. How can you? How can we? I don't think. I don't know, dude. Is that accessible? You got no. more, the second no. spectrum around. No, Lexer was amazing. Lexer was a really good player, uh, and he was good. And it was basically me and him, and then Gabe hit a bunch of threes as well. Yeah, um, you know. Okay, so you play in Portsmouth. Did you play overseas? Did you play in Israel? So Israel, that second time around, training camp, uh, Philly was great. No, but I'm talking about when you got done playing. So you no, got when- no, I never did. I I, I kind of left Israel. We got the bronze. That second team had great guys of Scott Green and Seth Halvin, who I is a saint. Uh, if you ever meet him, uh, but great people on that team. We just, I I I uh, was one of the. I, I I hadn't quite realized. I wanted to test the boundaries. And uh, me and a teammate, uh, we 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 have a similar story. Uh, we we played France and beat them by about thirty five uh, previous, and then the second uh, time around in the semifinals, they had a couple ringers that weren't there the first. They time. had some. They had some ringers. So when we played against them as a coach, they had a seven foot dude, and they this, had this dude was seven foot. Yeah, and, and, and he, was, he was good, and we beat him. We beat him both times, and we beat him two different ways too. We beat him playing small the first time, and the second time we beat him playing big. Well, um, I wasn't alerted that how much the Israeli men were going to hate me going to the bars, and, and me and my teammate were at that kibbutz with the water park, and I was like, we went out to that beach the day before, like you know how beautiful the women are there, you know, obviously uh, we both know that. Uh, I love my wife, obviously, but, you know, just whatever. Uh, we can, <laughs> but either way, we, uh, we 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 had that experience and going out and hurts. I, I don't know, downtown, you you had you lived that life probably a little more than me, but it was also probably not the best time to be going out. And, and we really tested the boundaries either way. Uh, we didn't get back till late to that water park, which, by the way, those people were amazing. Uh, and. You know, we lost to them, you know, similar fashion up by about 35 and lost. And a big reason I, I, I missed the game time shot. And this, Doug, probably one of the a thing that haunts me. Two things. One thing that's funny from her that I'll say that's pretty funny that I just want to add. And then the second thing I'll end with, which I think all my teammates and all every her uh, coach Brown player would appreciate was uh Herb said to me after I missed that three against France, which I'm sure he was well aware that we went out. I'm so disappointed in you right now. I'm more disappointed than you than I've ever been in my life or something like that. Like 
you know, pretty much like Darth Vader Skywalker, like, but I'm not in a minute realm of like how I look at the realm. Like, I mean, I didn't feel I like I could ever redeem myself to hurt coach Brown. And so I looked down and either way, uh, I know I loved him and he loved me. And I think everyone, you know, I still love him to this day. There was a lot of good. He brought, he, he instilled in me more. He poured in more great than or good than bad to me. But the second one would be at that shoot around the, this, the, uh, the following day, uh, he goes on a tirade about not me. That guy's going out. I know about one of the other players. Which I'll just not. I'm not going to throw that out there. But just just goes to says the work just, and then, and then he it just, the, it just Coach Brown fashion and just like you know just being done with us just goes, go shoot the basketballs, <laughs> just go shoot. But I need my terrible Eastern accent. Go shoot the basketballs. Okay, so. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Paid by up-level rewards. Paid participation required. Actor portrayal. Attention all listeners. Are you ready to earn $750? Well, get ready because I'm about to introduce you to GetMy750.com, the ultimate way to earn. Here's the scoop. Instead of just streaming shows or playing games on your phone for nothing, you have the chance to earn additional cash. That's right. From trying out new subscriptions to playing your favorite mobile games, you can get extra cash in your pocket. Simply sign up at GetMy750.com and follow the instructions to start earning immediately. So, what are you waiting for? Turn your favorite apps into real cash with GetMy750.com. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to earn rewards for things you're already doing on your phone. Check out GetMy750.com today. That's right. Get started right now at GetMy750.com. Just go to GetMy750.com or Google Get My 750 Cash. Follow the simple instructions and get your $750. That's GetMy750.com. GetMy750.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotion section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You get back from Israel and then what? 
So, uh, you know, we, we, we barreled through that bronze medal game and beat Australia who, uh, you know, they're just fun guys, great guys, those relationships, Doug, I, I know you remember some of them probably in that 97, maybe where you got to experience it a little, I mean, we got to hang out, I guess, a fair amount, uh, back at the back then but you were kind of more aligned to where the league at that level where we weren't quite i don't know i guess gingold was kind of there too with you but no i mean you were you actually had a shot but so anyways i get back and um oh this is five years don't so uh, zev gross is uh, reached out to me, uh, who we would discuss earlier, is an Israeli agent who's like, you know, we could get you a uh, dual citizen passport and, you know, play. And, and I'm like, okay, well, how much? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, to be flat honest with you, Doug, I probably, I, I don't know if I was the most sought after prospect. I don't know if I was as sought after as you were. And frankly, that's the vibe I was feeling. So in that realm, and the relationship I was in at the time. And now, and I talked about the, you know, you mentioned that earlier about that feeling of what it was like uh, after your last season game. And I remember when we lost to Austin P in the Gaylord Center in Nashville in my senior year, and it was devastating. It, 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 it ripped me from my heart, like really did. And because I don't know, I kind of came to terms with some things with me and myself as a player, even before Israel and the relationship that I was in at the time. So grad school had its best alignment for me, especially since I love the Cookville people in Southeast Tennessee and just the the vibe there. And and, and I decided on that, Doug. And, and from there, still coaching was still in there, but it was kind of like one foot in, one foot out the door. And a good friend of mine, as I was going through grad school and, and enjoying my grad school years by, you know, getting those, you know, enjoying uh, where I got it in educational leadership, which, you know, to say whatever you may want about it, it, uh, it I worked at, I believed in it and I, education does matter to me. And I grew up in a household of values with that. And so finally, by that moment, I did utilize the, that master's degree program but not quite maybe ready to coach. Maybe it was in uh, education at some sector. I don't know. But uh, that's kind of what the route was. I'm sure if maybe Oklahoma, well, you you were, again, professional uh, where teams were seeking you out. Uh, my opportunities were a little more limited. And so from there, it was kind of after getting done with grad school, I kind of always wanted to live in the Bay. And <laughs> I... I I, uh, I had a good friend of mine who re reached out to me and said, hey, man, I'm getting a job at West Valley Junior College. You should come coach. I'm like, okay. I want to live in the Bay Area. And it's like San Jose, I didn't know at the time, was right next to Oakland. And um, after grad school, uh, talking to uh, Colin Foff and Ryan Madri, who were co-head coaches at the time, who were both – really young guys to be co-head coaches. And for my first experience, Doug, as a coach, as a college level, to have co-head coaches at 25 years old, like not to say anything bad about these guys, because I think they were also really good, tremendous minds, because it's under that Bob Burton realm where these guys really work. And that ethic I didn't have developed in me yet, to be honest. And I did in development and how I wanted to coach players 
um, to get the best out of their abilities. I always did kind of feel that. And I kind of gained that my senior year. And so I took those elements and how I got better and trying to like, you know, there's, I love Nick Nurse recommending this Dick DeVicenzo book. Wait, wait a second. Well, hold on. You had co-head coaches. How does that work? Oh my Who are the guys? Ryan Madri and Colin Fuff. Ryan Madri's at Santa Clara, a great person. And Colin Fuff, who I don't know where he's at, but but either or, yeah. So that, that I Doug again, I, I coaching was it like I'm living in the Bay, you know, it's freaking I love Souls of Mischief. I love like hip hop, like peanut butter. Like I like independent hip hop and like and charisma, one of my favorite rappers from San Jose. Like I I didn't quite know what I wanted to do, Doug. Honestly, I was really <clears throat> but San Jose was a great area. And I also had some friends. I had a good friend from Santa uh, from Tennessee Tech that lives in Santa Cruz, as you know, is right up the 101 uh to santa cruz 45 minutes direction to san francisco you know obviously a lot worse drive well they're both pretty bad but um beautiful areas and i had those types of things kind of work it out and that's how it worked and we we went through that year but you know what i learned some things now looking back at again with the glass half full and it's those guys taught me a lot about um you know watching a practice off the ball and really being about not being so personal about it, but not quite learning quite yet. I think from any of our standpoints yet about giving ourselves up for, you know, I don't know, but those guys did, I did learn some from that process. I volunteered completely and taught PE uh, through this rhythm and news program, which kind of at the time, California just got rid of PE and music. So they uh, individual contractors would be hired out for public education programs there. And I did this rhythm and moves, which is a good program. It was kind of set up, Doug, as you well know, most of those jobs in Cali Juco will be. And it was a good setup. You know, Danny Yoshimata was there right before con I was the year the year previous. And um they 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 were a good program where you know we we kind of just went in with just guns blazing and we we fought hard we almost beat san francisco city i remember that's all i really remember about that but i remember we kind of just made it tick somehow and got through like 15 and 16 year but i kind of figured out i enjoy getting players better and i enjoyed I, and then i think doug i think we both can agree like as you as a great analyst and how you connected with winning the Maccabi games as a coach and see where that goes but like you know, you're connected to your team. It's a way of still still staying in that like that. And it, it's kind of uh, you get that back again. And, and I got that back. And I realized that this is something who knows. <laughs> I mean, I obviously I made a lot of mistakes that year. I'm certain those guys. I mean, I volunteered. So, I mean, either way it was. Uh, but but it was it was a good experience. And, and uh, you know, as we as we look back on things and. OK, so. You're driving where that you have this head on collision. Um, so driving home from Kirkwood, Cedar Rapids, uh, we lived in a town called Solon, which was a really nice town um, that was about 15 minutes away. That's more that element of a suburban town between Iowa City and um, Solon. Chris Smart Street is around that area right over there, too. Just a really nice Iowa's it's uh, is a cool it's kind of a that's a whole other podcast but, uh, I, I just tell me about the accident so what well, I mean so I'm tired you know, I'm driving my car I get in and I uh what kind of car 
Okay. Uh, what my de- description? Yeah. What kind of car? So it's a 2005 Lexus SUV at the time, and I was okay. RX LX RX. Okay, so you get the little, you get the little Lexus safe car. You're yeah. driving. What time of night? It, we're we're talking five thirty. We're talking uh, October seventeenth. Five thirty at night. Okay, and you're tired. And you're on a two lane road, a four lane road, lane. lanes, huh? Two lane back to Solon because that you know that we dip back in through the cut to get back to Iowa City and so on. So nobody knows what you're talking about with the cut, but I, I got it. Two lane road. You did you veer over into their lane? They come over your lane. You know that was never an a and and I appreciate your detailed uh, questions because it's, it's this is therapeutic for me and I thank you for that. <laughs> Sorry, this is a bad thing. Like you're gonna have nightmares tonight. No, me. trust me, I am way more than overcoming to this, Doug. I weigh 220 pounds right now and I feel healthy and I, I'm seriously, bro. Uh, okay, so okay, so so you, you don't know what happened. No, so I there was no ticket. I there was a ticket, but what I know I was not inebriated or anything like that. So I mean, you were talking um, after the wreck. In fact, I believe I yelled at an old man for uh, trying to say something. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. It was a bad deal. It, everyone from the other vehicle were completely okay. My car was completely tore apart. So if it gives you any indication to give more detail, sorry if I'm being so passive aggressive with this because of everything but uh it's been a while and, and it kind of competed everything compounded at once after winning the national title to this so all of a sudden you're driving an ambulance and i don't even know how they got a hold of my wife they did and she was working as a waitress and they called her and and uh, she she thankfully answered and right it was before she got into work to meet me at the emergency room but she didn't get there till you know i don't 2 a.m and then by that time, that is when I got the pineapple news. So you get in a head-on collision. They do a, a what? A, they did a cat scan. Well, I got to make to make sure you're okay. I got brought sure into. They didn't, and they're like, I was, holy shit! There, you have a tumor. Yeah. How long? Okay, so they tell you tumor. Did they know immediately that it was cancerous? And did they know immediately it was inoperable? Like, how? What's the? What happened? So they did um, immediately not know. Um, it was really brought up to me by a dude that I was just like, we were sitting over there, me and my wife, like just talking about like, like uh, uh, Doug. I guess the best way in a light way to say is exhaustion and just like wife shocked, knee shocked, cars destroyed, thankful for my oh, life. So, so wait, how, uh, how, and bad, then was here comes ac- how bad was this accident? Thing. How bad was this accident? My car is completely total. I'll send you. Pictures. How bad are you? I'm okay. Now you're okay. Yeah. And then you're like, I'm okay. And they're like, yeah, no, actually. no, no, no. I'm not okay. As far as, because as far as the accident was like the ringing in my ears, Doug, I mean, when the accident happened, my car rolled seven, like 10 times. Like the fact that there, if you'll see the thing, like it's shocking that my, my head could have got ripped off in a lot of different ways. I mean, you'll be able to see that too. But, uh, but, but so I survived that and that's thankful to God. And, and, you know, you're just, you're kind of just nuts. Like that's its own thing. And then a guy comes and is like, Oh yeah, you, here you have a brain tumor. Hold on. Do you, do you have broken bones? No. 
You're like perfectly back fine. In, back is all, but nothing other than your that. back's messed up and bloody, bloody scar. You know, bloody. Uh, I didn't get one uh, stitch from it. Okay, so you had like cuts and scrapes. Yes, and your back screwed up. Yes, and you're laying in the hospital. And then who told you you had a brain tumor? A doctor. What do you What do you say? Said, hey, he comes up and it's like, you know, sir, uh, you know, to be frank, I might as well uh, where we are in things today. I'm not I, I, I don't. He came up and he showed me and he said this. He, he said in a business approach uh, possible, Doug, where I don't feel it was inappropriate uh, at this time, even addressing it. Just this is what you have. I'm thankful that they did, uh, you know, now to be addressing it. Um, so at the time, you you I don't know. Strange enough, like you're like so many things have gone on. You get in the heart, your your mind kind of you notice things the year prior. Like you're almost kind of like whoa. That's kind of almost thankful. <laughs> Sad, no, but not not. But like you're almost there's an explanation. Okay, now we can have a proven point of how we can maybe move forward. So. There's something that's they're not you that's doing some of these things or, you know, some you created. I don't know. Tumors, brain tumors. We don't know. So it's, a, it's a not a common the what, what I was diagnosed with a uh, level two astrocytoma. They at least uh, that first with the size of it, they thought it was a level four glio when me and my wife said, <laughs> uh, we want to know. Do you sure you want to know? Because this. Sometimes we don't, but just estimation, you just have to, like, we couldn't go. And that was, I think, you know, I think that's the way a good doctor should. And, uh, wait, wait. So, so they potentially the doctor, not never saying it was, but hold, hold on. So let me, let me take, take me through this. Okay. So you get in a head on car accident, you're laying there in recovery. The doctor just brings you the film and shows you the size of this tumor, right? And then you immediately have tests, and that's when you found out what kind of tumor it was. Yeah. So you wake up. You now they take you to a ward on like this eighth level where it's neurosurgery, and God bless their little souls. You see the uh, you go by the little kids, and God bless them, man. And and you're kind of saying to yourself, thankful for being here, anyways. You know, kind of enlightening for anybody. Uh, they wants to know that the kids that are out there battling it, but, uh, you get there to the, and they just put you there and, and, you know, they were good. Iowa university, uh, has a good resources nursing. I remember a nursing team that was just tremendous and, you know, they, they ease you through it and, and they talk to you and a team comes around and wakes you up at 6am and, uh, you know, that's, you know, it's a hospital every, research hospital. Every, every day is. they wake up at 6 a.m.? Yeah, but it's a research hospital. It's commonplace, you know. So this is at the University of Iowa. This is the one that's right now next to the, the football okay. stadium, right? Where they wave at the kids, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you're up there on the sixth floor? Yes. It says, six, you know, I don't want to, yeah. Precisely. Whatever, you're, you're, you're up there. Neurosurgery right? and, and, and neuro. Okay, yeah. and so... I, they then what what happened first? They told you what kind of tumor was first, or they told you it was inoperable first. So those when you wake up at six, they they did a uh, they're able to get at that point um, biopsy. 
No, not a biopsy. They had, I had brain surgery, but at that point, it, it is a uh, estimation. And with all these doctors that come in and all these, re- and these are the best. I mean, these people are smart, but you know, obviously it's intense. I, it's, but they're, they're talking and you're kind of just taking it all in. And then they say, you know, we don't know, but then they'll be honest with you if you ask them and, and they straight up word and they say glioblastoma three or four. And that's what it was. And so we had to live like that for a couple of days until we were getting the scheduled brain surgery to get to see what it would do if it's inoperable. You just open it up. Your your chances are like I I, I basically you kind of go into stat, you know, you break it down and then you bring in your own life analytics and your my wife, who I have you know, just who that lost her father to cancer and her mother, uh, was pretty amazing with making things pretty real. And then a tough time because my dad was also dying at the same time. So <laughs> it kind of just went. That's, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of shit going on right there. Yeah. Your 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 wife had lost her parents. Your dad's sick with what? My dad, my dad at the time's uh, kidneys, uh, the dialysis was, you know, pretty much. And, you know, it's it, it, Doug, I, it, it was a real for him. It was because he was diagnosed with the uh, cancer uh, multiple times. Um, and, you know, prostate cancer is something that um, we'll say is what ended it because it really is and um unhealthy eating and you know that kind of vibe or like just not it's, i don't know but like you know he was just a tremendous human being either way but you know that's just kind of where it was where it was and and uh he, so 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 okay so you're you you find out what, what's the kind of cancer it is so so they're saying it's glioblastoma three or four but we're going to operate and see what we can do you, okay, your so, and you're, you're, so your best you're, hopes going in, you, Doug, you're sitting in the brain surgery line. I'll say this to you. The best part about it is like, you're, well, the best, yeah, it is. You sit there with your wife and it's just you and her in a room in the waiting room before you go in for brain surgery. And you're like, <laughs> like any, I've done pretty much. I mean, you ask a lot of friends of mine. <laughs> I've had some experiences, but it's like, okay, you know, there, and you, you can't really give odds on life uh with loss of life necessarily a little more a little less uh percentage wise with this cert with brain surgery it's still incredibly not where you want cancer they'll say number one but either way uh i had a good surgeon and you know um they what are your chances of of living were at the time yeah um well, so first the surgery came back and thankfully after the biopsy, well, the good, there was good news, bad news, which you're just like, <sighs> and this is after the brain surgery. So I'm back in the room now, you know, and it's like, finally with here, we have your results. And it's just like, you know, good news, bad news first. And I don't even remember, honestly. This is, this, is a, this is a random question. Just Yeah. With brain, with, with <laughs> but I think surgery. you understand neurosurgery is its own thing. I'm okay with that at that time. You no, know? I, I, I understand. Is- so, so, like, when you get an MRI, you don't necessarily get the results that day. Yeah. Right? When you have brain surgery, 
how long between when you have brain surgery, you have the surgery itself, and you come to and you're in that room and they discuss what they found from this tumor? It was a day. It was a day. So, but uh, do you wake up that after the brain surgery? Like, yes, you wake, wake up that night. Brain surgery, right? thankful to be alive, Doug. Right. So you wake up, they, but you don't know. You're just sitting there for a day. You don't know. Thankful to be alive. I was watching West Side Story over and over again. I don't really? know why. Connecting with your Jewish side. Yeah, I guess. I love West Side Story. I mean, it's a terrific movie. I'm sure. Well, I was thinking I was thinking Fiddler. Fiddler's Jewish. Yeah, no, you know what? As you would well know, he probably too, like my movie background, you wouldn't consider me the West Side. But it was like kind of where that was. I mean, maybe it was the hospital's vibe of what was going on. I don't know. Okay, so they come in, they say good news and bad news, right? Yeah. What's the good news? We couldn't remove it because it's in too tough of an area where that's the bad news. Bad news. I wanted it first. Sorry. I shouldn't say bad news first. And I mean, what would you be like? What's that? I wanted good news is moving forward, Doug. You know? Okay, so 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 you said I want the bad news first. And yeah. this is the bad news is we could we can't get it. Can't get it. So <laughs> right then, hold on. Right then they said, well, you have a tumor in your brain. And we can't get it. Right. So you had to be like, okay, so I'm, how is there possibly good news? What was the good news? But it's a level two astrocytoma. And a level two astrocytoma is a brain tumor that we don't have any information on that's really, it can, other than it can mostly lead to a glioblastoma to 70% within a time period of 10. Well, you know, they, there's odds with this with mine that I'm in a median with five years was 30%, 40% of people. Um, I'm, six, I'm one in four of the chance to be here. I turned 40 on March 4th, so it's five years. Pretty amazing. Okay, yeah. so okay, so they, they, they tell you, okay, look, the 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 bad news is we can't get it out. The good news is we don't really shit about it, but that's, but then, that's the you know all my Jewish homeboys and good connections with that. Like free, like I got to like milk, like the Freedmen's at Duke are like the top of brain surgery to try to get a second opinion with good friends of mine and unbelievable support within the community of my college and the you know Doug the the amazing support we got. I think I still is why I'm here today is because that is a fuel with, you know, the good nature of human beings and just how that was a hard time. And there was a lot of people that were able to help, including the area college friends, coaches. I mean, seriously, the time and that's difficult on both sides. And that's something that's I think empathize I can empathize with now at this point. It's like, heck, you know, if I was on the other side, it'd be kind of trippy to have a friend like that, you know? So um, I'm not ungrateful for anybody. If anyone feels no, I don't think any, anybody. You definitely don't come across as ungrateful. Okay, okay, so, so now what? So, so then you're just like you got your wife. who's just a, you know, she's just been through her battles, man, and she's just like we got this, and and you know we're gonna. And I, I turned to her actually, Doug. Uh, I said we're gonna beat this. I said I said that right away. 
I, I, when I heard that, I said, dang, that's pretty good news. Y'all don't know much about it. And then, you know, but then that was down through the line, obviously, using some people. I couldn't use my insurance that I had at Kirkwood to use the Freedmans. So that was the issue of getting a second opinion with those guys. But anyways, uh, those guys were great. They, con- they consulted with me either way, uh, which I am more than thankful for and were hilarious guys. Uh, but, I mean, they're top of their craft of neurosurgery, and I'm sure I'm saying this, but... I mean, you're having these conversations with these people and they're like, hey, no, no, okay, we can get that shit out. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Maybe something like that. You know, that time period was nuts because at the same time, you're now uh, given, what are your treatment options, Doug? So that was like, you should do this PCV, which is uh, for people that know it's chemotherapy and uh, and uh, radiation. Uh, brain radiation and if my wife had lost both her parents to cancer my dad's dying and she's like she wasn't she said you you know it'd be best that we we i think we should just do the radiation and and uh we're gonna wait and see on the chemo it, it worked that way and, and kind of a, a lot of research she did which i they i'm thankful to have that and, and with all her losing you know she just lost her fire she did a ton of research and and, and she didn't, she stood up and was like, you know, and, and I, honestly, maybe it's good. Maybe it isn't that to each his own. This is never an exact science. It's because I'm not saying that my thing works or doesn't, but I also, I think health and, and how you carry yourself and eat those things matter. And um, I, I, I started focusing more on those things eventually, but anyways, uh, we decided I Doug, she said, my, my wife, God bless her soul. And I'm sure your wife's done this. She she said, you're going back to work two weeks. And that is the best thing they could have said, to be honest. In a way of like me looking at it, getting back around the team and those guys saved my life. Like as much as I probably wasn't impeded. Yeah, I went back to coaching two weeks later. Right. So so you go back yeah. and, here, and here's the. So but what, what did they tell you? You said oh. they, they didn't know much about it. So, yeah. Right? So that's kind of where it's at and that's where it's going. And, and and then we decide on radiation. And then basically that's the form of treatment for it, Doug, is like radiation and we'll see. And then maybe if it grows bigger, more radiation or chemo. But the problem with chemo, Doug, is if you use it too early, it's like using your key too early for chemo. Like it's you, you, you want to save it, you know, from what we've, what my wife did the research on so that thankfully that's what we did and i just did the gamma knife which is a i know know what the gamma knife is actually my dad had the gamma knife so the gamma knife is like a little it's like a laser right well i had like a knight's mask like i was like on my face and then they take this big old freaking you know great deal and they just shoot you but the ladies are the sweetest people you would i mean the, the, those people they're there for a reason and it's incredible you know okay so when did you when did you know you were going to make it like when did you know you were going to be well you know doug you never do so <laughs> that's the thing about it but did, like do you go in for a checkup and they're like well it's shrunk and then yeah, Trump. no. So, well, current stat, current status is right now it's it is stable. 
And the last check I lived now live in Oklahoma. Well, this is fast forward five, four years later, but um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll digress real quick at first, but uh, you know, all that stuff happens and it was just the teaming, the radiation treatment, get through that family. But my dad dies that following July 4th. And, you know, I'll be as, as frank as you would, as the, the worst and best thing that a relative told me, I'm not going to say it was like, the hardest thing I had to hear was like, these are the, the best thing I tell you is uh, play the hands that you're dealt. And just like at the time, I was like, dealt? Like, who's dealt? <laughs> like, this is insane. Like, how am I supposed to raise my family? Like, my dad, my family's falling apart. Like, it's crazy. Um, and then you just do. And you figure it out. Like, that past of all those good things of friendships and teammates and overcoming of everything. I just, I, in my family and my, yeah, I dug you. You're a warrior spirit. Or you, you know, everyone is their own in this thing. It's tough. There's no exact science to it. God bless anybody who has it because it's tough, man. It's no, there's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, but where I am with it now, Doug, is I am content and I am in a situation where I am a healthy individual. Um, you know, I feel good of where I'm at in life. I feel like I'm going to be living a long life. That's how I look at things. And it's stable. And other than that, cognitive and aptitude and all that, I'm 100%. I'm actually in a better place than I ever should be, frankly. That's crazy. Yeah. And it was insane because it just happened right before COVID, too. So you have all that going on. And then everyone that was just had to deal with the loss and the terribleness of all this now. And, and, but but you're prepared a little more in some aspects that in in an holy job-like style, like the world's coming to you freaking just kind of just find some some light in the suffering with your loved ones and and your fight. I don't know, man. It's a, it's everybody. Every I mean, we all have our things, like your dad, you know, was my dad was 73. Bro. My dad was in his 30s when he when he when he, when he died, you know, when he got, yeah. he had cancer and, and, you know, so it's, it's, it's definitely, you have it. So, okay. Um, when you, when you get radiation, do you lose your hair? I don't, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. So, so, so by that time you, you have a, I have like a whole thing of stables. I have a ton of pictures I could share with you, but it's just like all that. Right. And, and then would you, would you want people to talk about it and talk about, you I don't mind. I don't I mind mean, right now at the time. Oh no. Of I, I, I was very open about it, but I also wasn't very understanding of what it, the circumstances quite were, where I feel like my intellect was quite maybe where it should have been. But I, I also was in a realm of of just courage and just like trying to move forward and just like, OK, I just willing myself to survive, kind of. But just the same time on nine different medications that, at levels that you wouldn't even um, fathom. But I, I mean. So now what are you doing? I live in Oklahoma. I live in uh, Oklahoma City, Newcastle. Dude, I was I was there a couple weeks ago with my son's team. 
Where did you guys play? We played this place in Norman. And we had a great time. Took them up to Stillwater for Bedlam. And then I played in Norman. And it was it was cool. I, I got to bring them back. You guys, uh, with your uh, relationships, Stillwater's a dope. Like, that's a real – I was just there for one day uh, since I, we've been here. But just that town and that uh, the college town vibe, it's really cool. I mean, it's it, kind it, of it sucks that it doesn't cool. get the luck. that, But the support – and what they deal with on a daily, like on a yearly basis, year in and year out, it's not easy. What, um, so now, so, okay, so what are you doing now? So I'm, my goal is to be in the NBA, work for an NBA team as a scout. And I was wanting to get in as a coach. I feel that I could coach at this level. I want to give it my best effort and learn from these guys at, the, at, at any element. I've uh, dedicated myself this past year and a half uh, through different avenues to, try to connect with guys in the league um, and put myself in situation now where I've evaluated players uh, extensively where I feel confident in my work. But I mean, it's, that's hard to explain. I don't know if there's a right answer for how anyone goes about anything. What do you do? For, what do you make? How do you make money? So I, I, I have some uh, residual income um, and I also have worked a few uh, sales opportunities um, since I have gotten done from, uh, since I moved down here to Oklahoma. So I've worked in <laughs> some sales jobs that, uh, you know, as an account executive and, and, you know, people in the sales industry will always tell you just setting credit card machines. And, you know, it's all the same in a lot of different elements at the levels I was at. Um, but that's kind of, um, the realm, um, with where I'm at and then, um, communicating, um, as an independent scout, just um, as trying to promote myself within to try to put myself in a position to try, hopefully get a shot, just at least to try to work within a team. I think my life and my work ethic that towards this, Doug, I feel finally good enough because like junior college, you really get caught in that realm, Doug. Like, you know, I think we know a lot of the same people at the high major levels like I could like those relationships never really fruit, fruit came to fruition to me because the element I was looking at wasn't the same recruits. But at the same time, I was building relationships with guys that were the the that like Drill Oliver runs D Rose, uh, who also has a ton of junior college recruits and helps thousands of Chicago kids, uh, but also helps a lot of high major kids. And so it just works out where. I know that it's kind of a interesting relic with that, but like, I also feel that I could help develop guys and, and, uh, you know, my life experience that I just want to learn, you know, basically I, I need to shut up and listen. Like uh, my Kate Murphy book says. Um, so your health is good. You live in Oklahoma. You're scouting. And when you scout, are you scouting college players? You're scouting NBA teams. Well, Doug, the, you, as you well know, I, I should not. I, I, I'll just say to the obviously the viewers, there's there's basically a, obviously with the advanced scouts and you who are going to scout other NBA teams, and you have your college scouts, and you have your regional scouts, but you have your internal scouts as well. But I, I kind of wanted to the coaching, as you well know, like I don't have the badge of honor to really facilitate that role and i feel like that's something i've always kind of lived by and, and like i i feel like i i do but you know at, at the professional level i don't so like i don't and so i don't want to 
uh, impede on that, but I do want to give my efforts towards something. And I thought that this might be the best way. And I had a connections that I tried to utilize that I've been trying to utilize to build on that. And then also build on getting to know college basketball. And I basically, there was some, how I did it is I dedicated myself to going to the NBA summer league. Everyone was telling me all my friends that they're at the NBA level, like you got to go to summer league first just to get an idea what the hell this is about. And that's intense. This one was intense. I mean, like that was my first time, but at the same time, Doug, you take it all in and it's lovely because it's like, this is a life to watch basketball for a career. I mean, that's lovely to me. And so and it was great basketball, by the way, too. I mean, it was such a great time. And, and I mean, I'm sure a lot of people could share with you the Vegas experience is great with especially the NBA players interacting and so forth. But um, I just tried to build a knowledge with that. And I did a sky. I went in there with like, I'm going to build up. Uh, like I was like, I went off like being like the dude Jonah Hill and Moneyball. Like I'll do like 48 guys is what I came up with of like who I like. And I'm just going to write this and try to get this out. And that's how it started. And the, like, I, and I have the, all that notes and all that stuff. And I've tried to just like, can you get this to these guys? Like, how do I know these guys? And it's really hard. I don't know. A lot of people. Who would you take number one overall? Chat. Wow. Now let's have a conversation here. Paolo Boncaro. Or Jabari Smith and Chet Holmgren, why would you take Chet? Paolo's got a better body. It's not close, right? Now I know he's older, but he got a better body. Um, he, he not, obviously not as long, not as frequently as tall. Um, and and you know Jabari is a guy who uh, is is young, super skilled. Um, not doesn't have the rim protecting ability, but I do think defends better out on the floor. Just from a player, I get that their their development program in in the Twin Cities, they're pumping out dudes now. Got it. Why would you take Chad Holmgren over Jabari Smith at, or at Palo Banquero? Doug, you just said it, pumping out dudes right now. Like, the, like you know that influx. I'm sorry, but that what you said about Palo is right on, and and Palo is an incredible talent. And uh, I've been so impressed with what he played in the Gonzaga game way back uh, in, in, and when they're in their matchup. Yeah, I thought he was, the, you know, I thought the Wendell Moore was actually most efficient, but he, he is incredible. He, I think he, he, he was better than that. But I'm, I'm saying also like teams are all different too on how they work. Like, you know, you, if you look at the advanced dynamics on how like how, how Rudy Gobert works in with the Jazz compared to how like, the Mitchell Robinson works with the Knicks. Like it's different. So like who I'm just saying, like, not that those teams will be there, but just as it gives sake, like Chet, Chet though, his skill set, passing ability, IQ, uh, efficient fishing, finishing around the rim off the dribble and ambidextrous finishing ability, uh, just keeping the ball high, good footwork, you know, running the lane, knowing how to play with high-level talent, knowing to have the radar on him for a long time, seeing kind of his, his brother kind of lead the way in some ways with Jalen. You know, uh, 
there's there's a lot to that that I feel that I I stay above. I I think Jug like I'm not saying he's gonna set it on fire by any stretch, but I still like he, he could go across the board statistically for some games that it, depending on how he works in conditionally and strength wise. I think you know as, as variance as Zion like I don't know I haven't seen him, but like <laughs> my son Zion his name's Zion by the way three months old, um, but. Uh, is vastly different and and their ways of like a player i like louisiana tech named kenneth lofton who's a guy i think is incredibly efficient with best for usa basketball and sometimes i feel like the best thing you can get doug is from the peers and what peers will say and chet said kenneth was the best player on that team yeah he the, the big kid yeah yeah the question is how do you, you know how does that right. what is he like when he loses weight to play in the nba you know yeah. it's just such a different and, that, and i totally get that so such a, such a, a different game. Um, okay, L- last thing, you want to like coaches listen to this, scouts listen to this. Give me, you said Kenloff. Give me a guy who, if you get you get five minutes with whoever has is a first round draft pick, mid first round. Give me somebody who's not on my radar that you really like. Go, Isaiah Mobley. Top okay. 17. Really? Now, the difference in him and his brother supposedly is he's always been a hooper. He's always been about it. Whereas his brother is just good at it and skateboarded a bunch of his kid, nicest kid in the world, and just kind of blessed into it and became more of a hooper as it went on. Whereas Isaiah, but the reason Isaiah is still in college is the perception that there's a drop off in talent. You don't think so. I think that's way off. I, I actually liked him at the draft combine as much as I really was impressed with his range, his his, his shot making ability, his mobility laterally. Uh, I mean, his passing ability, his skill set naturally to push the ball in transition and keep his head up and make right decisions, make a cross court pass like an NBA like for like he makes IQ decisions like he's and he's making critical decisions late where I thought that game against like Oregon, for instance, was a big saying game. Like that's tough to play in that environment. And I thought he made a major statement in that second half. In that environment, I think there's things like that that you look for as a coach and over my years and time, Doug, of like how I work with things and how I value it. I'm just like, OK, and I'm just looking at his three point shooting ability, at like two point one per game. And, you know, I could pull up the stats right here, actually, where I've researched so I can give you a little bit more of a breakdown so I can give you, like, how I really do this. Uh, but, yeah, no, I mentioned this, you know, like, uh, obviously, I watched the I watched him play multiple times. And I watched him play every time he plays. But, you know, when I do this, I try to uh, take in some things within learning from people like great scouts who I learn from just through what data is out, content's out there and just through my own experiences and try to write down that how I could best, you know, say this in the best way without being biased and and, and not hurting them. And uh, But, 
you know, I just say for his offensive validation, I said his best shoot, three-point shooting big with translatable NBA attributes in college basketball this season. He has slimmed down, looks more mobile than last year. His ability to shoot from the slot wing and corner give him more opportunity to spread the floor for his team as a five-man, along with his ability to pass out of the post hitting quarters to a cutters in stride or fanning into an open teammate for three is what's making him more multidimensional in his offensive package. He has also gotten better off the bounce, pushing the transition on defensive rebound and having more counter finishes in traffic attacking from the mid post. He needs to get better converting on the free throw line. And although he's got better at finishing through contact, he has solid lateral quickness, which helps him evade other bigs on the perimeter. He still needs to improve his backs to the basket, although I feel like that's truly improved handling double teams, Doug. Um, recently, I have a more updated scout I could share with you, but this is my first. He does an excellent job seeing the floor and facilitating the offense with the ball in his hands. His free throw shooting needs to improve, but his, that has. Um, and then defensive evaluation, which I think has improved tremendously. I feel like he's engaged and his urgency defensively has really improved. Like not necessarily in box score stats necessarily, but just length and taking things away too. Awesome stuff. All right, listen. So here's here's your here's uh, what I need from you. We're gonna as we get towards the NCAA tournament, I'll have you back on. You'll tell about some of these guys, and then we we'll get towards the draft. We'll do the exact same thing. But in the meantime, I just want to tell this story. Okay. Here's the last thing. Somebody's listening to this and they just got diagnosed with cancer. It's a scary word. Okay. You have inoperable brain tumor and you're still here six years later, right? Six years later. Well, what, what would your, what would your advice be to somebody who is, who is going, who, who is, who has any sort of similar diagnosis? That is a perfect question. And I thank you for asking it, Doug. And I it just thank you so much for giving me this platform and this opportunity. And I call your brother for doing it. Thank you so much. Um, but I would say Jim Valvano, Stuart Scott's have got people fast. My dad, your dad, people that have, we've lost, I'm thankful for being here. I'm thankful to be a father. I have a three-month-old son, Zion. I have a, a daughter's graduated high school. I have a son that's eight. I have a lot. I have a wife that's beautiful. And I turned 40 on March 4th. And I, I think I think the hardest part, Doug, is there's no game plan. And, you know, as much as I could say Jim Valvano, Stuart Scott, and everything else, um, I want to I want to prepare to be an advocate for it. Um, I have I have stuff on paper, but like, you know, at the same time, I think you have there. There's a lot. To, there's a lot of layers to it and a lot of different things. But I think the biggest thing, Doug, is just anything is just cling on to what 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 you can with with loved ones that are there and, and people that are there that. Uh, it's hard to find in a dark place, but I feel like when you step out, when you least expect it, that's when the best things can happen to you. So I'm so glad we did this. Me like too, I feel, thank you so I much, mean, man. Your name. We, we got, we should have done it a long time ago and we should have yeah. caught up more in person. Hey man, let's hey. call tonight. I appreciate you. I love you. And I, I really you, thank, thank you so you. much for doing this. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Doug. It's been a blessing. Thank you, man. Wow. I mean, it puts everything in perspective in comparison to um, anything else in basketball and in life when 
here you are coaching, grinding, trying to find your way. You're a little bit of a physical mess, and then you find out you have cancer. And now, despite the fact he's not coaching, he feels like he's in a much better place physically, mentally, and hopefully in the NBA sometime very, very soon. My thanks to Ben Jacobson for sharing his story with us. My thanks to you for downloading. Remember, the Doug Gottlieb Show is daily, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, the iHeartRadio app or FoxSportsRadio.com, or you can download it wherever you downloaded this podcast. In the meantime, remember to download, subscribe, rate, and write a review. My thanks to Ben Jacobson for sharing his story. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And hmm. not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.